He's done and what he is yet to do. Amen? Amen. So as we get ready to go into the word, Lord, we ask you, God, to move by your spirit upon me today. Speak your word clearly to us today. Stir us up this morning, Lord God. Move me out of myself this morning, Lord God. Speak to us. Speak through me. Allow the word to make that 18-inch drop from our head into our spirit to be, a depo to be deposited in us, Lord God. So that we can walk it out, Lord God, as you call us to do. We can be who you call us to be in this dark hour. So it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, a couple of weeks ago, God the Holy Spirit revealed to us that this year is our year of outreach by sharing our faith with our fear. Our foundation scripture comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, which says, Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, or make disciples, baptizing them, hallelujah, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you, King James says, always, even until the end of the world. That's the promise if we do what the scripture says. Amen. These verses are commonly called the what? The Great Commission, right? Now, a commission is a command, not a suggestion. It's a command, not a suggestion. God had, had given commandments all the way from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. And Jesus has now given us a command. He gave other commands as well while he was here on this earth. And the Great Commission or a commission is not is a command, not a suggestion. And all this really boils down to is this. As a believer, God gave you your identity in Christ so that you will help others discover theirs. Amen? He gave you your identity in Christ so that you will help others discover theirs. And one of the main reasons we don't share our faith without fear is we don't know why we believe what we believe. We don't know why we believe what we believe. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear. In other words, you need to be able to tell them why you believe what it is that you believe. Amen. Amen. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we are going to learn why we believe what we believe about heaven. Why we believe what we believe about heaven. If you want to see us, me and my brother and our sisters and all of them, we were raised in the church because our father was a pastor and we always, or at least I know I did, and I know he did too, always hear them, heard them talk about heaven. Songs was heaven is my goal each and every day. Got to keep on moving, moving in the right way. Right? And if we are honest, most of us heard about heaven, right? If you were in the part of the church, even if you weren't, you heard about heaven and going there. A Barnard poll, though, indicated that 76% of Americans believe in heaven and 71% don't. 
believes in hell. But of those who believe in heaven, 50% believe you can get there without accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Not true. Hmm. Hmm. I'm here to tell you that. Contrary to popular belief, I want you to hear me now. According to the word of God, there is only one way, and here it is, and just because you die, you don't automatically go to heaven. Just because you die. If you're an unbeliever, does not mean you go automatically to heaven just because you die. Mm, I knew that would get you. Amen. It's got quiet in here. And I say that because you see a hope, and I'm not pointing the finger at nobody. I'm not talking about nobody. However, you see a whole lot of people talking about someone who died, whether it was tragic or non-tragic way, talk about they're looking down on us. Right. Now, we don't know the relationship they have with Jesus Christ. That won't get me wrong. However, if you go by the fruit of the Spirit in their life, or the fruit in their life, not the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit in their life, it will cause you to think and say, well, really? Hmm? Just because you die, you don't automatically go to heaven. You have to be a believer to go to heaven through Jesus Christ. Amen. So the question was asked of the late great evangelist Billy Graham, why do you believe in heaven? He said, I believe in heaven for many reasons. One reason is because deep down inside each of us is a yearning for something beyond this life. This life is incomplete and imperfect, and we yearn for another life that won't be this way. The yearning is not just wishful thinking. It's a deep-seated conviction God put within us. It's the same deep-seated conviction that we have that we don't always realize we have it until we make Jesus our Lord and Savior when we connect with God. There's something always missing, right? Until you connect yourself to Jesus Christ. A lot of people don't never make that connection and they end up doing something that's not good. A whole lot of people got everything in the world, money, fame, power, whatever the case may be, but they're empty. Why? Because they don't, they don't make that connection to Jesus Christ to fulfill them. Amen? So the same with heaven. There's a deep-seated yearning in us that wants to connect with our Father for eternity. Amen? So what is heaven? Heaven is the place where God makes all things right in relation to himself, all of creation, and all humans. Heaven is where God is truly God. Where the Lamb's work on the cross will be celebrated on the throne. Heaven is where your life will be intoxicated with divinely, with the divinely intended pleasures and joy. Heaven is where death and evil will no longer be a threat. Heaven is where all humans from all of history and all of creation will enter in heavenly fellowship 
for eternity. Hallelujah. Mm. Yes. And this is the best one. Heaven is where we will live in the joy of the full weight of, the, of God's love, his justice, his peace, where we will experience and encounter his unending, everlasting glory forever. That's where we will experience the full weight of his love, his justice, his peace, where we will all experience and encounter his unending, everlasting glory forever. Hallelujah. That's what heaven is. That's what we'll experience. There is something God placed within us that we not only have a desire to connect with God in time, but also into eternity. And all we know and need to know about heaven comes from the Word of God. Not from somebody's book, but the book. So let's go to John chapter 14. We're going to start in John chapter 14. Now, as I've shared many times before, John was the beloved disciple of Jesus. He had a close relationship with Jesus. And John's gospel is about us having that same kind of close, intimate relationship with Jesus. Now, John records eight miracles to show that Jesus was no ordinary man. He is a man. He was a man for sure, but he was, but he was and is the God-man. He was the Word who became flesh. In other words, he was all God and all man. His divinity was not diminished by his humanity. Jesus, Jesus is God. Of course, God calls him the beloved son, but he is a part of God. Because he said in his word that me and the Father, we are what? One. Amen. Now, what we are about to read has been typically read and thought about during someone's funeral. But, as I have discovered, these are some of the most powerful words in your Bible. John 14, verse 1 says, Let not your heart be what? Total means to be disturbed, agitated, or alarmed. You or ye believe in God, believe what? Also in me. Why? In my Father's house are many what? Mansions. If it were not so, I would have what? told you. And then he goes on to say, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also, and whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. But then here comes Thomas. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the what? The what? The truth. And the what? The life. Here it is. No man cometh unto the Father. What? The no man. There is no other way to God but through Jesus Christ. You can't get put through Muhammad, Krishna, and all those other people. You have to go through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Here Jesus' word shows so that the way to eternal life, though unseen, is secure, as secure as your trust in Jesus. Let me slow down. The way to eternal life, though you can't see it, is secure, as secure 
as your trust is in Jesus. Yes, it is. Hmm? Yes, it is. So if you are secure in your trust in Jesus, yeah. hmm? yes. hmm? the way to eternal life is through Jesus, but it's only secure as your trust is in Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> in other words, you can't be whiffling and waffling. Can't be wavering. It's as secure as your trust is in Jesus. Why? Because he has already prepared the way to eternal life. The only issue that may be still unsettled is your willingness to believe. So, it's not on him. <laughs> it's on us. To believe. All we have to do is believe. And believing is my heart because God has already given us the measure of faith. A little bit of faith. All it takes is a little bit of faith to trust in Jesus. Amen? When you really believe something, you let nothing turn your head. Nobody, nothing turn your turn your around. If no, if you really believe and trust in Jesus, you let nothing turn your head. I don't care what wind may blow. I don't care what trouble may come upon you. But Lord, if you stand on, Lord, I trust you in this. Jesus, I trust that you are the way. I trust that you are the truth. I trust that you are the lie. Hallelujah. Trust him. Amen. Now, when the Bible speaks of eternal life, it refers to the gift of God that comes only through Jesus. Romans 6.23 in the New King James says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. This gift is in, contra in contrast to the death that is the natural result of sin. Now, when you have been saved to the bone, <laughs> you are not a sinner when you sin. That's right. You have the capacity because you have been, as we learned over the last year, that when you are really saved, you are saved, but you still have the capacity to sin. But when you are really a believer, you you are not a sinner. You mean you just commit sin. All right? But, when a person is an unbeliever, you sin because you are a sinner. <laughs> right? Now, I am not saying that as a believer you will have a perfect sinless life because you won't, because you still live in this body. And this body, you don't have to teach somebody to tell a lie, Right? <laughs> little babies lie people that live to be a hundred they lie and people all in between can lie easily but when you are a believer you have the Holy Spirit within you and if he's in control of you before you speak a lie it will go through the filter of the Holy Spirit and it will stop you not saying all cases Amen. But, come on, be real. <laughs> However, 
You have the filter of the Holy Spirit, and what he does is this, and even if you do lie, he will convict you. Amen. That's one way that you know that you've saved, because you can do something, you can sin, you will sin, but you won't get away with it because the conviction of the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you so that you have to repent. Yes. Conviction is not condemnation. The devil condemns, the Holy Spirit convicts. Amen? Amen. The fact that this life that Jesus talked about, uh, the gift of eternal life comes to those who believe in Jesus Christ, who is himself the resurrection and life according to what we just read. The fact that this life is eternal indicates that this is perpetual life. In other words, it goes on and on with no end. It is a mistake, though, to view eternal life as simply an unending progression of years. Because the common New Testament word for eternal uh, carries the idea of quality as well as quantity. In fact, eternal life is not really associated with years at all because it's independent of time. Eternal life can function outside and beyond time as well as within time. Because of that, eternal life can be thought of as something that you as a believer experience now. Amen. In other words, as a believer, you don't have to wait for eternal life in the by and by because it's not something that starts when you die. It begins when you believe. <laughs> eternal life does not start when you die. It starts when you believe. So whether you believe when you're not nowadays or if you believe when you are 90, you get eternal life right then and right now because you have believed. Hmm. Amen? So John 14, 1-2 says, Let not your heart be what? Trouble. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many what? Mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a what? Place. 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 I go to prepare a what? Place. For who? You. Us. Believers. Amen. Amen. Now see, Jesus here was trying to call his disciples as the end of his time on earth was coming. He was telling them and is telling us to put our full trust in him as you trust God. He was telling them and telling us that he and the Father share the same divine nature and the same divine person, purpose. Second, he told them and he is telling us that we have a heavenly, we have heavenly divine real estate waiting on us. Think of the most expensive piece of property in your mind that you can think of. The real estate that we have waiting on us is much greater than the greatest piece of property on this earth. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Now, see, according to Jewish, the Jewish wedding custom, the father would add rooms onto his house for his newly married son. Jesus wasn't abandoning them, abandoning them but he was heading out to get there and our eternal home ready. He's building rooms. Because another word for mansions is many, many rooms. So Jesus is preparing our rooms, our houses, our mansions, 
our places of, of rest, our places, our places and destination. For us, I go to prepare a place for who? You. In other words, he's adding on. Now, let me put it this way. There would be no need to add on if there would be nobody to fill their rooms. <laughs> so Jesus knew that there would be others who would be grafted in outside of his disciples because of the commission. So he's going to prepare those rooms for you and me. Hallelujah. When your time comes as a believer to leave time and enter into eternity, have no fear because your heavenly home has been prepared for you. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Verse 3 says, And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and do what? Receive you unto myself. That where I am, hallelujah, there you may be what? Also. And wherever I go, you know, and you know the way. Hallelujah. And of course, Thomas did what he did, but Jesus fixed him right up and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by what? Me. Jesus is the universal act, point of access to God. In fact, he is saying that he is the only way to God the Father. Now, some people might argue that this way is too narrow, but in reality, it's wide enough for the whole world if the world chooses to accept it. Amen? John 3.16 says this, for what? So love the what? That he gave his only what? That whosoever should not what? But have what? Everlasting, eternal life. Amen. Instead of worrying about how limited it sounds to have only one way, you should be saying, thank you, Lord, for providing a sure way to get to you. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> he provided a sure way. So here are some reasons, okay? Reason number one is this. Jesus was raised from the dead, and we will be too. Jesus was raised from the dead, and we will be too. Let's dig a little bit. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. We'll start at verse 12. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, and verse 12. It says this. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ, not, if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have only, have only hope in Christ, we are, all, we are all men most miserable. Verse 20 says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. 
For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22, and this is the last one. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. No resurrection means no hope, and therefore no heaven. It's just that simple. And if Jesus was contained by death, then we will be too. If he cracked the death barriers, then we will too. And guess what? He cracked the death barriers. Yes. Yes. A key concept to understanding resurrection is understanding that believers have experienced the spiritual resurrection, which is called new birth or being born again. Each believer, however, will experience body resurrection as well. Now, I hear you asking, what if someone was cremated? What if someone was buried at sea? They have no body buried in the ground. But let me tell you, God is a miracle-working God. That whatever molecules he has to pull back together, whether it's in the sea or whether it's through cremation, he is going to pull those elements back together and give you a glorified body. Now y'all got it? Y'all just don't like standing in these <laughs> messed up bodies. Amen. Amen. The Bible tells us in Revelation that the sea will give up the dead that were in it, which says to us that wherever you are and whatever shape you are in, God will bring back whatever elements of you and give you a glorified body. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Amen. That should be a good, good news to us. Our physical bodies are perishable, but our resurrected body will be imperishable. Yeah. Our physical bodies are sown in dishonor, but our resurrected body will be raised in glory. Our physical body is sown in weakness, but our resurrected body will be raised in power. Our physical body is natural, but our resurrected body will be spiritual. Our physical body is from the dust, but our resurrected God body will be from heaven and eternal. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that will raise you up from the dead. This is the blessed hope. So therefore we can sing blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation purchased by God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Hallelujah. Yeah, this is my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's a heaven because Jesus was raised and we will be raised too. Hmm. Number two is because the Bible's view of justice is incomplete without heaven. <laughs> it's incomplete without heaven. Hallelujah. It would be unjust for God not to have a place for believers after going through all this hell that we go through as a human being. And the wicked seemingly running, running rough out and in control of everything. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. 
and verse 27. Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 27 to 28. Why we believe and what we believe about heaven is because the Bible's view of justice is incomplete without it. Hebrews 9, verse 27 to 28. It says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. The Bible's sense of justice without the reality of the hope of heaven leaves an incomplete world, an unfulfilled promise, and a disobeyed directive from God. God is a God-filling promise God, right? God has never failed on his promises. And he said it was so. So he promised us eternal life through Jesus Christ who said, I am going to prepare a place for you and so God has to fulfill that promise because he don't fall short of his word. If he said it, it is so. From Moses to the prophets and then to the New Testament authors, the Bible both criticizes the injustices of God's people and this world and anticipates the coming day when those injustices will be rolled up and destroyed so room can be made for a world marked by justice. All the injustice that we go through all the oppression that we go through, all of the struggle that we go through, all of the stress that we go through, all of the everything that we go through is going to be rolled up and done away with. And it's a promise of God. Because if God did not judge injustice, he wouldn't be a just God. That makes him God. He is the only one that has the right to judge. Believers, you and I, do not have that right to judge. Why? Because we are, we are, we we were we were born into sin, brought out of sin. However, He is the only one that's perfect. Because we will leave people out of heaven that we don't like. <laughs> I don't know about you. We're supposed to love everybody. We don't necessarily have to like everybody. See, the problem is we would keep people that we don't like out. Forgetting about what we love. Amen. These scriptures remind us that death isn't the end. Human beings, however, typically live as if death is the last word. They act as if there are people who act as if death is a period. <laughs> that it's all over. So you try to do all you can. I remember growing up when I was younger, and you know, back then it seemed like everybody that passed away was old. So I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna do all I can to get it all out of me. <laughs> So that when I get older, I can settle down and give my life to Jesus Christ. Yeah. However, that, that was dangerous because if you look now, <laughs> and even then, people were dying from zero to a hundred. We just didn't recognize it. But God in his mercy kept us here. Amen? Amen. Now, 
I'm here to tell you that death is, like she said, a transition, not a conclusion. And judgment is coming. So don't fall for the okie doke and get okie doked right into hell. Mm -hmm. Don't believe the lies that the devil tell you that this is all there is. That you got to get everything here. Get all those things out of your system here. Because there's a point in time for man to die. Woman, boy, and girl to die. And then judge. Hmm. So you better get your life, right? Get your life ready. Amen. Get your life right. Heaven is real and only can be yours through Jesus Christ. Now the last reason to believe what you believe about heaven is this. Because the Bible says so. The B-I-B-L-E. The infallible, inspired word of God. The book that's been around for ages and the number one bestseller ever in the world. The more they try to bury it, the more it resurrects itself. The more they try to disprove it, to disprove it, the more it proves itself. Proves what? That God is God and He is in control. Amen. Amen. Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 21. This is the last scripture. Because the Bible tells us so. That's why we need to believe what we believe about heaven. And if we believe what we believe about heaven, then we'll be able to share one, that be another reason why we can share our faith without fear. And here we go, Revelation 21. And this is what the Bible says, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven, this is John, and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth was passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice or a loud shout, another translation says, out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them. And he not only be with them, but he will be their God. And this is the shocking part. And God shall or will wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. Hallelujah. Neither sorrow. Hallelujah. Nor crying. Hallelujah. Neither no, neither there shall be. Neither shall there be no more pain. Hallelujah. Yes. Who got pain in everybody right now? <laughs> Think of it. It's going to be a day where we won't have any. And God himself is going to wipe those tears away and there will be no more of this stuff. Amen. Praise God. Why? For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Another translation says they are trustworthy and true. Hallelujah. 
The idea that God will make everything new may seem too spectacular to be true, but the last verse, the last line of verse 5 tells us that these words are trustworthy and true, or trustworthy and faithful and true. The Bible tells us in another place, the truth will make you free. The truth makes us free because as believers we will experience complete satisfaction in the new creation. And this is what you need to believe. Heaven is prepared for us. It has unlimited physical properties. We will be like Jesus. We will have new bodies. It will be a wonderful, never-ending experience. It will be a totally new environment. Heaven will give us a brand new experience of God's presence that will never end or never get old. Hmm. We will have new emotions. Heaven will have no more death, sorrow, suffering, injustice, pain, tears, oppression, depression, and a brand new government with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I am lifted up as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. No more corrupt government because it will be under his subjection. The government will be placed on his shoulders. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now that we know why we believe what we believe about heaven, why would you want to share it right, yeah. with others? So that they will receive the same things that we are believing God for. It's selfish of us not to share our faith. It's selfish of us as believers not to want our friends, our family, even strangers, mm -hmm. to experience what we are about to experience when Jesus cracks the sky, or if we die and go home to be with him. Yes. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. We need to go ye therefore into all the world and share our faith mm -hmm. without fear. Let the world know why we believe there's a heaven and that Jesus is preparing that place for us and that Jesus was raised from the dead and we would be too, will be too. And the Bible's view of justice calls for heaven and because the bottom line is this, the Bible says so. Yeah. Why wouldn't we want to share that? Good gospel news. Huh? Why would we want to watch them go to hell? Then we in this too. When it says then comes the judgment, we can judge too. Not for just what we did or what we didn't do. God is on the roll the tape on our life. Amen. Amen. So why we believe what we believe about heaven?
more excuses. No more excuses. No more excuses. Please stand to your feet. No more excuses.